Y'all good? Fantastic. Well, tonight, as we said in our church news segment, we are finishing up our series, New Wine. Anybody else love this New Wine series so far? Man, it's pretty good. <laughs> did somebody just say it's pretty good? That's fantastic. It's pretty good. It's better than average, Pastor. It's great. Yes, we are finishing up our series, New Wine, tonight, and I could not be more excited about it. Y'all ready to finish this up? Fantastic. I'm, I'm trying really hard right now to not tell you what next month's series is. So I'm going to keep it underneath wraps. You'll find out. It's going to be on the Instagram or on the website or wherever. Check it out. I'm really excited to get this new series going, but I'm really excited to finish this thing off. So you mind if we finish it off well tonight? Okay, if you're new with us tonight, once again, you're probably hearing it. We're a talkback church because this is a dialogue. This is an exchange. This isn't some guy yelling at you, telling you how terrible you are. No, no, no. This is good news. Church is for a build-up, not a beat-down, and that's good news. And when there's good news, what? We get excited. We get behind it. We talk back. So we're going to be loud tonight. Sound good? Fantastic. All right. So week one, we're going to hit the recap real quick as we finish this thing up. Week one, we titled our message, Is the Juice Worth the Squeeze? And we talked about that. It's a great question to ask when we're talking about new wine. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the breaking, is the pressing, is the crushing, is the things that we go through, the pain that we experience in this life, the, da- the daunting moments, the doubtful moments, moments, are these worth going through? Is the juice worth the squeeze? And we found out that Romans 5, absolutely the juice is worth the squeeze because our God says that he makes all things. Somebody say all things. He makes all things. The good, the bad, the unforeseen, the horrible, the stuff that we couldn't prepare for, all of it. He makes all things what? Work out for the good of those who love the Lord and it's called according to his purpose. Amen. So then, I just realized the way I said that was like, I'm going to name all these terrible things and say God makes all And it was like, you're saying God makes all those things? No. But then week two, what was the title of the message? Nobody got it? It's okay. It's good. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You're making me look really bad in front of the online community right now. It's okay. I'm just joking. Week two was the pain and the promise. Remember this one? The pain and the promise. And I love this message because the pain and the promise. Some of us, how many of you in here tonight have experienced pain in your life? Are you human? Have you existed for any amount of time? You've experienced pain. Every hand should be up in this place. We've experienced pain. There's pain and then there's promise. How many of you tonight, let's hit the switch up on that. How many of you tonight have experienced the promises of God over your life? How many of you know that the pain in your life has absolutely zero right to talk up to the promise over your life? But the promise over your life always has the authority to talk down to the pain in your life. Amen. Man. I'm ready to preach tonight. Y'all didn't know you were coming to a talkback church, did you? I'm grateful that you're here. New people. I love you. We're excited. We're going to be family already. But man, you're at a talkback church. We're going to preach tonight. It's going to be a good time. Week three, what was it? Anybody remember? Yes. I love that it was recent and everybody remembered and it wasn't as provocative as the first week's thought. I'm kidding. It's provocative. It gets the people going. Just check and see if you're saved, if, you, if you've seen Blades of Glory. It's okay. It's a great movie. Yes, divided I fall, but united I stand. What does it have to do with new wine if you missed it? Man, divided I fall, united I stand. We're talking about when we're, our loyalties, somebody say loyalty. Somebody say loyalty. Somebody say loyalty. Somebody say loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Love it. All right. 
Loyalty, loyalty. When our loyalties are divided, we are unsettled. We are shaken. We are shakeable. We are not shapeable. We are reliable. We can't hold it together. We are unsettled people. When we divide between when pain and conflict and all these things come to our lives, we become divided because we tend to go to people. We tend to go to leadership. We tend to look for comfort in substances and, and comfort in people and comfort in other things that we think are going to bring us that stability that we need. So when pain and all these things come, when we're divided against God's promises, we are susceptible to failure and to fall and into defeat. But united with his promises, how many of you know when you unite your, when you unite your worry with your worship, we get to see your worship overtake, or should I say, take over your worry. When you unite your circumstances with his Christ, what has to fall? your circumstances, amen, united with his promises, governed by his Holy Spirit, united with him, we can stand, we don't only stand, but we endure, we don't only endure, but we what? We get built up, complete, lacking nothing, we can become perfect in the name of Jesus, that's what our Bible says, go back and listen to the podcast if you haven't, so excited for this, you ready for this? Who's taking notes tonight, where my note takers at? I feel like all the new people in the house tonight, gotta get used to how we do things, cool, note takers, who's going to heaven? Signs? Got it? Good? Okay, good. I like to make that joke. So if you're new with us tonight, there's my quota for that joke. I was also instructed to never make that joke again. That is what it is. <laughs> title of my message tonight is this. Ready? Waking the dead. Turn and tell your neighbor, tonight we're waking the dead. Scott's on vacation, a dude just rushes the stage. What is going on? Okay. What's up, Josh? Love you. Where's my security? Come on. He's on vacation. It's okay. We are waking the dead. Turn to tell your neighbor tonight. We are waking the dead. I don't feel like your neighbor believes you right now. Turn and tell your neighbor tonight. We are waking the dead. Man, we got to keep that same energy tonight. We are waking the dead. Previous to this message, Sundays belong to the walking dead, but we're off that. Tonight, we are waking the dead. Will you tell your neighbor one more time like you believe it? We are waking the dead. Good grief. All right. Fantastic. Who's got their Bibles tonight? Six of us. All right. We got the Sky Bible up here, man. We are hitting John 11, 38 through 44. Y'all ready? No. John 11, 38 through 44 is this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Y'all mind if we pray one more time before we go any further? Fantastic. Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. 
God, we ask that you would come, that you would have your way in this moment, in this scripture tonight. God, that we would get this conviction underneath our skin tonight, God, in our bones tonight, in the very fibers of our soul tonight, God. That you truly desire to wake the dead. Whatever that looks like in our lives, whatever dead things we might happen to have or possess or have claimed we're dead. We thank you, Jesus, that you are so good and that you are so faithful and that you seriously, in this moment tonight, God, want to continue encountering your people and changing us from the inside out. We thank you that the word goes forth and it doesn't return void. So have your way in this place, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're out the way. We want you to move. We give you free reign tonight, God. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, Amen. All right. Got to hit that water break. I finally got two bottles of water. It's pretty awesome. So I love this piece of scripture tonight. And the reason that I chose this piece of scripture and the reason that we titled it Waking the Dead is simply this. We're talking about new wine. We're finishing up the series New Wine. It, the same way you get oil the same uh, from an olive, the same way you get juice, the same way you get wine. There is crushing. There is a breaking. There are things when you are crushed, when you are pressed down, when things are coming against you, what comes out of you is the juice. We determine whether the juice is worth the squeeze. And so we talked about pressing. We talked about breaking. We talked about when life just happens, when the devil shows up and rears his trash face at your family, at your marriage, at your circumstances, at your situations, whatever it is. When these things happen, we've talked about that. We've covered that. So I thought there was only one place that we could take this tonight, only one way that we could end this tonight is by talking about the dead things in our lives. Like, that's heavy. We're talking about dead things. We are, but I promise you again, we are a good news church. The Bible is nothing but good news. Even when you can't understand the Old Testament, the things that were going on, trust me, it is good news. Jesus Christ is over every single thing. He has brought that all together. He is nothing but good news for you. And so we're talking about John 11 tonight. And throughout this, you're going to hear me dip back into other parts of John 11. It's all good. It's not in will be read, but you can double back about it. It's a few scriptures back because I think it's imperative to give uh, context to the scriptures tonight. So a little bit of context is this. John 11, here we have Lazarus and Jesus. He's coming back. Uh, he gets word, Mary and Martha, who are the brothers of Lazarus. If you don't know, Mary is the earth. Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus. That is their brother. And Mary is the woman. If you know your Bible, go back and check it out. It's a really great story. But Mary is a woman. We're going to call her. She is a daughter. But at the time, she was known as a prostitute in the time. And so she is this young woman because that might have been what she did. But she is not a prostitute. She is a daughter. She is a woman. She is a queen. Somebody say queen. There it is. Somebody say yes, queen. I don't even know where that came from. I just know Kelsey likes to say it a lot. I think it's awesome. She said it to me sometimes, and I'm like, all right. Um, I see the respect. Jeez. But here is Mary, here is Martha, and they send word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus has passed. And so Jesus begins to make his way back to them, and upon hearing this, he gets there, right? Jesus is there, he gets there, and Mary and Martha are like, Lazarus has died. He has been dead for four days. And Jesus is absolutely heartbroken over the situation. He is distraught over the situation. This is where the world's shortest verse comes from. John 11 where he says, Jesus wept. 
Yes. Back, back when we were Grand Haven, we had a youth ministry underneath us, and we were trying to get kids to uh, remember Scripture. And literally, kids you not be like, oh, who remembered the Scripture? And somebody was like, oh, I know, you know, John 11, you know, say 15. He's like, yeah, G- oh, it's John 11, 17, actually. Uh, don't know why I know that. John 11, 17, he's like, Jesus wept. And I was like, that's not funny, because that's, I mean, it counts, but it doesn't count. We should have made the ground rules a little bit more severe. Um, but. Yes, so here is Jesus. He comes. He makes his way to Mary and to Martha. And they were like, Jesus, Lazarus is gone. He has passed. It is done. He is, you know, buried. Do you want us to take you to the tomb to see him? Do you want us to take you to the burial site? Do you want to go and see for yourself that Lazarus is truly dead? And Jesus is like, don't you know? And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, I told you. Do you believe that I'm the Messiah? They're like, yeah. Well, then do you believe that if you live in me, even if you die, then you shall live? And then Mary was like, well, yeah. And so at that this point in time, she's, she's confessing that, yeah, I understand. And she actually says these words in John 11. She goes, I trust that he will rise with you in the resurrection. Now let's please, let's go and see his body. Now, we don't know this for sure, but the Bible says that some Pharisees showed up on the scene because whenever Jesus came around, how many of you know the haters came out? The naysayers came out. When people see you doing God moves and making God things happen, the haters are going to come, the naysayers are going to come, people are going to try and throw shade your way, but you rest in the sun that is Jesus. Amen. So a play on words there. Come at me. And so the, the Pharisees come out. And they show their ugly faces. And these are the Pharisees are the ones who are supposed to, hear me when I say this, the Pharisees are the religious rulers of the day. The Pharisees are the ones that are supposed to uphold the Jewish law. Keep order, if you will. This is what the, uh, this is what the Torah says you are supposed to do. These are the commandments. These are people who are keeping the word of God at the time through violence and judgments. These are the same Pharisees. We don't know that for sure, like I was saying in the beginning. We don't know that for sure, but I would assume that these are probably the same Pharisees that when Mary first met Jesus, it says that when Mary first met Jesus, uh, they didn't know he was the Messiah at the time. They just thought he was a rabbi and a prophet. They had no clue at the time when Mary came bursting in that he was, in fact, the Son of God. They just thought he was a rabbi. And so they're sitting around Jesus and they're talking and Mary comes running in, a prostitute at the time. And because of her absolute heartbreak of knowing who, she, who Jesus is, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness to her, his patience with her, she falls to the feet of Jesus and begins to wipe his feet with her tears and her hair. Could you imagine feeling such an overwhelming love for somebody that it would drive you to your hands and your knees and to cry at their feet and to begin to wash their feet with your own hair and with your tears? This is Mary. And so these Pharisees are around at this moment. And how many of you know four days is a bit too soon to start cracking jokes after somebody has passed? To start making laughs at somebody who passed. But here are these Pharisees, these jerks of the day, who were standing there. And they said, the most obnoxious way you possibly could. You're Jesus. You healed the blind guy's eyes. Surely if you were here, you could have kept Lazarus from death. And it says in that moment, back in John 11, that Jesus was overcome. 
and it caused him to move. I want to take a break for a second. This actually isn't in my notes tonight. But I want to let you know that when people start saying cross things to you, when the devil tries to come for you, when things are being spread and lies are happening about you around town, when people are gossiping and they are lying about you, God is moved for you. I want to let you know tonight that when things start coming against his children, yeah, but aren't all people God's children? Yeah, but not all people are alive at the time. Not all people are awake at the time. Not all people understand their identity as a son and as a daughter. And if you've ever had two parents in this place, guess what? Man, when one of you kids messes up, guess what? The parents gets after the bad one, doesn't it? Jesus is compelled on your behalf. When haters come out, when naysayers come around, when people start spreading gossip and lies about you, you can believe that your God is going to move on your behalf. Isn't that good news tonight? So here's, so here's Jesus, and he goes to the tomb, and he, and he goes there, and Mary and Martha roll up, and the first thing Jesus says is roll the stone away from the cave. Roll the stone away from the cave. And Mary and Martha, they stop him. They're like, no, 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 Jesus, you don't understand. Homeboy's dead. He's been dead for four days. It's done. It's over. It's nasty. You don't want to see that. The odor would be unreal. It would be overcoming. It would be undertaking. It would just completely want you to run the other direction. The odor, the stench would be so bad. The sight, you would not want to see it. And I love this. I love this piece of scripture. Jesus absolutely knows that. The guy's been dead for four days. He is God. He has common sense. He has more than that. He has God sense. He understands that people deteriorate, that things happen, that rigor mortis set in, that it's probably unsightly because he was sick. He was tossed in a cave, for goodness sakes. Jesus understands all that. And I think it's indicative of the resurrection power that Jesus possessed. I think it's indicative of the heart of the Father. I think it's indicative of who our God is. That he knows of the stench that's about to be in the cave when he rolls away the stone, yet he wants to see it anyways. Yet he wants it exposed anyways. Yet he can't move in that cave unless somebody lets him in that cave. And the reason I think it's indicative of his heart is this, friends. It's because I think the situation speaks to actually to our lives. Because Mary and Martha, they already confessed early on that they trust Jesus in resurrection, a.k.a. they trust Jesus with the afterlife. After the pain, after the tragedy, after the hardships have happened, after life has just had its way with us, man, how can there not be more after this? And if you're the guy healing blind guys, then I guess, yeah, I'll put my trust in you. There's got to be an afterlife. Because Jesus says, I told you. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who lives in me, even if they die, shall live again. He actually goes on to say, that, no, no, he's just asleep. But Mary and Martha, they have professed, they have claimed to Jesus in this moment that we trust him with our eternity, but we don't trust him with here and right now. And we don't trust him with the odor that's behind that stone. And I think that's indicative of humans as well, right? Because I think for a lot of us, yeah, we probably, it's pretty easy to, to, to reconcile that thought of like, yeah, yeah, there is, he's Jesus, he's God. We can get to that part. We can get to the thing of like, you know what, there is going to be a joy in eternity one day. We're going to get to another place. There is going to be a heaven. How could this be it? How can all these things just happen and there be a bang and all these things go down? And I could be talking, I could be walking, I can have heartbreak. If the universe is just out to get me, then why would there be heartbreak? Why would there be all these things? Yeah, I think we as humans... Even if you don't believe in Jesus tonight, you can reconcile that there has to be something beyond this. That humans didn't just sprout out, live, and then die. 
I think if you have a brain in this place, you could figure that out. You would, you would have to believe that. If not, God, there's no hope. We have to have hope. But I think it's hard for us to often trust Jesus with the stench in our lives, with the things in our lives that don't smell good, that are unsightly, that are unjust, the things in our lives that we try to tuck away in a cave, the things that we try to put away in a grave, the things in our lives that we don't want to be seen. No, 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 we trust you with our eternity, Jesus, but not with last summer, but not with those mistakes I made last night, not with that girl, not with that guy, not with that situation, not with my baby mama, not with whatever. Not with those thoughts that I have towards my coworkers, towards my boss who I've been working and I've been serving for five years, ten years, who has never recognized the talent I have or what I bring to the table. I'm not saying that I want his axle to come off his car. I just wish he would take a second look and see what I have going on, what I bring to the table. I think in our lives, I think in our lives it's really easy to get to a place where we can fathom, where we can have at least enough faith to trust God with the hereafter. But what about the things that we don't talk about? What about the things we don't tell our best friends or our closest people? What about the things we're, uh, we're afraid to share in Babe Crew? What about the things in the prayer requests tonight that weren't put in the prayer thing because we're afraid of judgment, because we're afraid of shame? Friends, this is a judgment-free zone, and this is a, frame, uh, a shame-free zone, okay? There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what our Bible says. So therefore, there is no condemnation, shame, or guilt in this house. Just so you're aware. But what about those things that we don't put on our prayer cards? Those things that we don't put on our Instagrams or on our Facebook when we're going through it? What about those things that we don't share with our mother who is our closest friend? What about those things that we don't dare speak about that we've done? What about those messages that we've received and those DMs that have come through and those things that we have gotten involved in? Those things that we're not proud of. What do we do with our unsightly, injustice things in our lives? Because if you're human in this place, you have probably done some things that you are not proud of. Not once, not twice, probably a lot more. Because I know for me, friends, I'm up in the double digits at least. So what do we do in our lives with the things that we have chose to put in a grave and we have put a stone in front of? What do we do? With those things. I think what God wants to say, one of the words He wants to say to us tonight is that, man, if we want the resurrection in our life, then we have to deal with the reformation of our lives. I'm gonna say that one more time because that's too good. If we want resurrection in our lives, then we have to be okay with, we have to welcome the reformation of our lives. What does that mean, Matt? He uses some $5 words. I agree. What does that mean? It means that we have to get to a place where we don't just trust Jesus with our eternity, but we trust him with our mess. That we have to get to a place in our lives where we don't just trust him with what's going on, but we allow him to be loving and to come and invade us and see our space, to get behind our stone, the things that we've tried to put in front of it, the things that we've tried to dress up, the things that we've tried to make it look like we ain't got no problems going on. No, I'm here. I'm good. Instagram is great. Look at my stuff. My life is great. But on the inside, we're falling apart and we have some things that we haven't forgiven ourselves for and that we haven't forgiven others of. Jesus, he wants to have the resurrection in your life, but in order to have the resurrection in your life, there has to be the reformation of the things in your life. And that starts when we begin to trust him with our mess. If we want him to draw out purpose from our pain, 
because God knows we've talked about it. He didn't give us that pain. He doesn't have a plan to give you pain. God, no, he gave Jesus so that you could have a way out of pain. Christianity isn't a guarantee to a pain-free life, but it's a guarantee that you got a God that's bigger than life, the creator of life on your side, who is going to move things and shape things and make all things again work out for your good. So if you want him to draw the good out of that, to draw the purpose out of your pain, then we have to begin to trust him with that pain. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? I want to go on to this next verse here. I don't know where I'm at. Okay. Where's that verse at? There it is. Verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved. He was deeply moved by what the Pharisees were saying. He came to the tomb and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I want to stay on that verse for a second. He rolls up. He's deeply moved. He's burdened by what was just said. He's burdened for Mary and Martha, these two girls that he loves, that his heart breaks for. Beloved Lazarus. He says Lazarus was one of the disciples that I loved. He's heartbroken. He is moved. He was moved to tears. He was moved. He was away in ministry. He was out with his other disciples, doing things, changing villages, bringing, bringing completeness to people's lives, wholeness to their bodies. He was out doing all of these things, and he was moved to leave villages and towns and cities where he was changing people's lives in a physical, tangible, and spiritual way every single day. He was moved to go be with Mary and Martha and with Lazarus. And I love this verse that says it one more time. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Why do I want to hang out on that? Because what Mary and Martha called a grave, Jesus called a cave. What Mary and Martha put their brother's body in, he, they called it a grave because it was a cave. It was a space with a stone rolled in front of it. How many of you know a stone rolled in front of a cave isn't a grave with our God? If you know the Bible, if you know Jesus, if you know what's about to happen, because this verse takes place right before it was proposed that they take Jesus in and they hang him on a cross. If you know what happens next, our God, he doesn't see a cave as a grave a cave is a cave with our God. A stone in front of it, dress it up how you want. It's still getting rolled away when the king of the universe comes through it. Amen. And so I want to hang on the scripture for just a moment. Because some of us tonight, we have a cave. We have a cave where we've put some dead things in it. Or at least we think they're dead. Some of us tonight, we... We have a life. We're 20 years in. We're 30 years in. We're 50 years in. We're 60 years in. We're 70 years in. And some of us have done our darnest to go out and to find a cave. It might be the most well-hidden thing in the world. You might have gotten the biggest stone to roll in front of, it, front of it. And inside that cave that we have labeled a grave, some of it is our purposes. It's our purpose. Purposes. Purposes. Purpose. In this life, we've gone through some things and we have forfeited those dreams that we once had. And we have laid them down in a cave and we have called it a grave. Some of us have gone through this life and somebody, whether it was a young age or at a vulnerable place in your life, they spoke something into you that absolutely fractured that poor little heart of yours. 
and those big dreams that you had, those bigger dreams that you had that were bigger than the small town that you came from, at some point you forfeited them and you put them in a cave and you called it a grave. At some point in somebody's life in here tonight, you had an uncle, you had a teacher, you had a family member that said you are reaching too tall for where you come from, that that was just a bit beyond the people in your life, the people that you come from, those dreams, those ambitions, that thing that you think that you are made and designed for. It's just a bit beyond you. You're not built for that. I'm looking at your SAT scores right now, and I don't think you could ever do med school. I don't think you could ever be somebody that works in money or in Wall Street. Man, if that's the, if that's the best that you've got in your little preaching demonstration, nobody's going to hire you to come to pre- preach at their church, speak at their church. If that's the best you've got, if that's all that's on the inside of you right now, there is no hope for you. Some of us tonight have had these things laid upon our lives, spoken over our lives, and we have allowed these things to touch our hearts and what is in our, our cave might not be Lazarus' body, but it is a body of a person that could be, that should have been, that God birthed, that God spoke into existence, that he knew every single hair on your head and the potential that he put on the inside of you. Potential is nothing if it's not acted upon. You had all the potential in the world, and then you did this. Friends, can I tell you, your potential in Christ is not yours to forfeit. Because God is saying to you tonight that the plans he has for you are undefeated. You might have forfeited them. You might have thought you put them in a grave. You might feel defeated in your hopes and in your dreams. You might feel out of breath. You might feel used up. You might feel broken. Whatever it is that lays dormant in that grave, it is not dead. It is asleep. It needs to come alive because Jesus Christ, he sees every single cave that we try to dress up and we try to make it look like a cave and he still, or we try to make it look like a grave and he still calls it a cave. It doesn't matter how well you dress it up or how big the stone is that you rolled in front of this thing or what society has rolled in front of this thing or what that teacher rolled in front of this thing that marked it dead to you. It doesn't matter how many times you you come and you bring flowers to that grave site and you reminisce about what could have been, about what that little girl might have done if she just would have went to MSU or wherever about that, what that boy would have done if he would have just put his, his time into music instead of his mother passing and having to get a job at a young age. No. We go and we reminisce about what could have been, and God still says, it's still there. It's still there. It's only asleep. It needs to come awake. He is ready to roll the stone out the way. He is ready to call it out. Come out of that cave because his purpose isn't deaded. It has just not begun yet because it lays dormant. It can still come. It doesn't matter if you've been avoiding it for 15 years. You feel like you've been passed up so many times. You haven't gone to school for it. You haven't even begun to think about it. You may not have even had a thought in your mind about it since you were 17 years old. And you're 50 now, or you're 60 now, or you're 30 now, or maybe you're not in your 20s anymore. Whatever excuse the world tries to bring in or the devil tries to bring up, in the back of your mind, your God still deals in resurrection. And the redemptive work of Jesus is saying that if you're not dead, God's not done. And as we're about to find out in a moment, even if you are dead, God's not done. And so there is a dream and there is a purpose in this room tonight. 
that God is pleading with you. He is saying, roll that stone away. Because you can call that cave a grave all you want, Dan. All you want, Holly. All you want, Rusty. All you want, Josh. But that cave is still just a cave with Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach to anybody tonight. This is our God. This is our God. He's waking the dead tonight. I came tonight to preach a message called Waking the Dead Tonight. And I understand that there's some of you probably in this house tonight, in this place tonight, and there's probably some people listening on the podcast who aren't here tonight who are sitting here thinking, yeah, Matt, it's just really hard for me to receive that. You know, my dad had cancer, and his dad had cancer, and so, you know, I'm probably going to get cancer. I'm kind of predisposed. You know, the whole thing about uh, generational curses and stuff. You know, Matt, I had that dream. I had that dream, and I love that you're talking about it. I can tell that you believe it. You're so excited. I hear you loud and somewhat clear. You're really excited about it. You believe it. But, man, when I was in medical school, I was five years in on a seven-year term, and at year five, my mother got sick. I had to drop out of school so I could go and be with her. I had to go and be with her while she was debilitating. And I watched her fall apart right in front of me while you're saying, God's not done. It's just kind of hard for me to receive that. And you know what? That absolutely breaks my heart, and I absolutely understand that. But I think if we continue on with the scripture for just a moment longer, we'll see that Jesus absolutely understands that as well. But he has something to say about it. Can I read to you what he says next? Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Martha and Mary, their brother has been dead for four days. That's one day longer than Jesus himself is about to be dead for and buried for and gone for four days. And he says to Mary and to Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Yeah, but, you know, my uncle said this. Yeah, but my teacher said this. Yeah, but my college professor said this. Yeah, but my ex said this. My ex-husband said this. My ex-wife said this. The person I was previously involved in said this. This girl at one time, she said this. She broke up to me, and she said this, and I believed it my entire life. They've said, they've said, they've said, and God is saying to you and to me, especially me, tonight. I hear what they're saying. I hear what you said. I saw them say it to you. I hear what you're saying they said. But are you hearing what I said? Did I not tell you, Casey? Did I not tell you, Lexi, that if you would believe in me, that you would see the glory of God? Is this not good news tonight, friends? It doesn't matter if hospice declares you as good as dead and you're home for four weeks. It doesn't matter if that dream has laid dormant. It doesn't matter if you're 60 years old and your dream is to be a world-renowned piano player. It doesn't matter how big or how crazy or how audacious it may seem. We serve a God who not only defeated death himself and killed judgment in hell, 
But he's about to bring a man back from the dead that's been there for four days. If he can do it for him, he can do it for you. If he can do it for you, he can do it for me. If he can do it for us, then he can do it for them in the streets of Grand Rapids. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? I feel like we're waking the dead tonight. Are we waking the dead tonight? Did I not tell you you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that I would make all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord? Did I not tell you that when temptation comes, I did not send that temptation, but I would never allow that temptation to overthrow you or to crush you or to break, or to break you, but on the contrary, I'll actually provide you a way out to victory. Did I not tell you that trials and troubles will come in this life, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Did I not tell you, Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Did I not tell you that if you believed in me, did I not tell you? Is there anybody in here tonight that is willing to take God at his word over our circumstances. We don't believe our circumstances over our Christ. We believe our Christ over our circumstances. We don't believe our situation over our Savior. No, no, no. We believe our Savior over our situation. Amen. Didn't I tell you if you believed in me, you would just have a mediocre life? Absolutely not. I birthed you for greatness. I have prepared you for greatness. The devil has tried to stop it. But let me tell you, if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God. I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. I definitely just chipped the tooth. Where am I at? Okay. Didn't know where I was at on time. I want to take a look at this next verse as we get ready to wrap this thing up. Worship team, you can, uh, you can make your way up here right now. That's fine. Verse 41 says this. So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Friends, can I just stop on that real quick? It's actually not the point I want to land on. But I love this piece of scripture because it shows God's heart for you and God's heart for redeeming your life and resurrecting the dead things in your life. Whenever God brings resurrection to your life, it doesn't end with you. It begins with you. He brings resurrection to your life so that others can see his goodness, so that others can see that you are sent by him, that he loves you, that he's prepared a way for you, that he has a plan for you, and that if he has a plan for you, he can have a plan for them. The resurrection work, the resurrection life that Jesus comes to give you doesn't begin and end with you and your situation, but it begins when you take that and other people get to bear witness to God's goodness through you. Amen. What's that next verse? Verse 43. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet with strips of linen. They were wrapped in a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Some of us tonight, we came to church tonight all wrapped up. 
all beat up, all torn up, all jacked up, all messed up. We got some things that are tucked away in our cave that we have kept under wraps. Pardon the pun, but the analogy works. It is under wraps. We have kept it out of sight. We have hidden this away from our closest people. But Jesus isn't satisfied with leaving you that way. When he went to the cross, it wasn't to secure your eternity. It was to give you hope here and now. And so what I want to do with the rest of this night is I want to see some people who walked in with some deadly garments on leave free and liberated. Some of us tonight, we got blinders on. We got a cloth wrapped around our face because we have kept ourselves in that cave too long. We got some things in our lives that we haven't seen in a minute because we've been blinded to it, because we had it tucked away, because we thought out of sight, out of mind. I just gotta move on from that passion. If I put my heels in here for 40 years, I'll retire with another pension. I'll get a I'll get a ring or a watch and I'll have a settlement. And I'll be all set up with a Roth RA and I'll retire fat and happy. Life is good. It's the American dream. But God is saying, but what about that purpose I put on the inside of you? What about that thing that's too big for you? What about that God dream that without me, it's so big, without me, it'll fail? What about that dream? What about that thing that's in the cave? What about what place on the inside of you at age 11 when you first heard those vocals come on the radio and you said, man, Aretha, I want to sing like you. What about that? So tonight, I want to wake the dead. Do you want to wake the dead? We're about to sing a song called Give Me Faith. Why is this appropriate? Because he said, I told you. Didn't I say, if you believed, you would see the glory of God. We want to see the glory of God tonight. We want to leave without our linens around us because we're no longer dead. Our dreams are no longer dead. We are now blinded by the cloth over our eyes. We are coming out of our cave. So why? Give me faith. Give me faith to leave my cave. My cave has been my comfort zone for so long. Because God, if I took you at your word, if I began to take you at your word tonight, I have to do something about it. It might be a little uncomfortable. It might stretch me a little bit. I might have to place my faith in you more than my paycheck. My faith in you more than my family. My faith in you more than my support system. My faith in you more than the soundness in my own mind. My faith in you. Give me faith tonight to leave my cave. Would you stand up? We're going to get ready to sing it. I want to pray before we go back into the song. Man, this moment, Casey, Adrian, if you want to come up front here, we do this every time at the end of service. We like to leave it available. If you need prayer for anything, if you got some garments that need to come off tonight, if you got some things to leave behind, because guess what? Our God, there is no wine skin that's too used up to not possess new wine. There's not eyes that have seen too much or experienced too much that Jesus Christ can't put the stars back in those eyes. Our God is the God of resurrection. And right now it's not about judgment or worrying about what your neighbor's doing. This is about you cleaning out your cave. And this is about you picking up your purpose, taking those garments off, those things that you lay dead in, those things that your dreams lay dead in. This moment, 
is give me faith, God, to trust what you say, that you are faithful to complete what you have started. Not what I have tried to put in the cave, but you are faithful to that purpose on the inside of me. Not too many years have passed, not too many wrongs have been done, but God, I trust you tonight. So give me faith because we want to see the glory of God in our lives on September 2nd, Labor Day weekend, 2018. Make some noise for Jesus if you believe it.